When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We are here. Not from the pool, but from the mind of the one and only Gregory P. Allen Braggs. It is a special edition of Bears After Dark. Bears After Eight. Summer version. I assume you can hear me. I don't. Now I can see myself. (laughs) Braggs is running the show right now. I'm very nervous, uh, but this is very exciting too. Uh, Welcome into Bears After Dark, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app. Use the promo code CHGO when you sign up and you get all the good things. Great to see everybody. Matt Nagy is here. Bad McBay Canader. That's right. It's Braggs After Dark, the bad show. Um, (laughs) I thought you were going to call it the Bay Show. Well, I, you know, I got to that today because we used to do this at 630 and I'm thinking to myself, why am I working at eight o'clock at night on May the 24th talking (laughs) bears after doing a show day? But you set this time. So I'm here. Uh, But this is I I, honestly I I would do it at midnight. I do it three in the morning. Great to see you, buddy. You're my favorite. You know this. And. Mark Potash going to be on the show today i am a i am a i'm a potsy guru slash nerd um so i I, i'm thrilled that we're gonna have mark on and that's coming up in about five minutes you want to start with david montgomery and braggs i actually made an error so i'm gonna leave you for one second because i do need uh, a a frosty beverage you're gonna leave me all by myself. That's fine. You go and yeah. I'll set why the, don't you I'll just start laying the table out your, for our viewers? Set the you table for your frosty beverage. Thank you. Yeah, it's so tonight is gonna be a fun night because we got like like Mark just said, Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun Times coming on in just a few moments. We'll get into the David Montgomery stuff later because I certainly want to give my opinion. I know the boys talked about it earlier today on the afternoon show, but I think I might have been a little ahead of the curve when it came to old Demo. All due respect to my guy. I mean, I hope he's enjoying life in Detroit, but taking shots across the bow, I'm ready. I'm ready to shoot back. So, but we'll get to that later on. And I also just want to mention to everybody in the chat at the end of the show, I'd like to give as many uh, chat questions away. So if you got any questions in the chat, I'll highlight them. And then at the end of the show, we'll talk to you about some of your thoughts. So please get them in. This is your opportunity to get some of your questions answered tonight by me and Carm. 
That's a great job by you. I almost feel like I don't even have to stay for the show. I'm like, you got this thing. You want to get into David this, Montgomery? Are you upset? I want to get into um, 20 minutes before the show started. Yeah. Robert Gancar said, can't wait to hear more BS out of Krampa's mouth. I like that he uses the Krampa about field support for Claypool. It's the Krampas of the world that may make athletes not want to do interviews. Just twist everything they say to make BS. Krampa, your response to Mark or Robert. Is to, to Robert, who, you know, Robert, it's okay. Uh, we don't have to be arm in arm on everything that comes out of my mouth. I know you love most things, but this one kind of irked you, and that's the way it's going to go sometimes at CHGO Bears. We're not always going to be dancing down the same side of the street. But I would like to remind you, Robert, that when we brought up this topic today at noon with my leader, my guy, my hero, my true favorite. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. okay. With, with Adam I'm moving Hubbard. up the ladder, but I'll no, let him have I, I love everybody. We know this. So uh, with Adam, I, I said, do you want to do glass half full? Do you want to do glass half empty? It's a quote. There's a million which ways you can read it. And so when I did the glass half empty, Robert, along with some others, got a little triggered and want to push back at me on the fact that Justin, even though he once again mentioned, let me pull up the exact quote here, if I may, from my amazing notes from earlier today i should have had that in front of me my apologize my well apologies. i jumped the shark on you on it so no, that's okay is okay. he said chase has improved tremendously from the end of last year till now that's one thing i'm truly proud to say seeing his work ethic his attitude change robert the rest of bears nation is fighting back on this have you heard any comments on anyone on the whole roster about an attitude change i'll answer that for you no, you haven't. This is the only guy on the roster that was gone at on the sidelines by Fields last year, and he's bringing it up and complimenting him, but attitude change. And then he goes, you can see he's taking another step, so definitely excited for that. Um, it, it's something to pay attention to. All right. Chase Claypool has been an emotional guy that sometimes can get in his own way. Let me raise my hand. I am someone that can get in my own way. So is Greg Braggs. So are you, Robert. So is Gary. So is Nagy. So is everyone. And as you mature in life, you hopefully get to understand yourself a little bit better and you can prepare for moments where you might get a little bit outside yourself and lose your mind like for Chase Claypool, if I go into this game and the first five throws go to DJ Moore and the next one goes to Darnell Mooney and all of a sudden Tyler Scott is running free and I don't have the football, how am I going to react? And, well, and, gotta- and, and you guys brought up a fair point when you started just doing the simple math on it. You know, I mean, unless we expect this guy to throw for over Justin Fields, that is to throw for over 4,000 yards the numbers start adding up when you start divvying it out and you try to be realistic and spread the wealth around. Let's not forget, you guys didn't even mention the running backs that'll catch 
receiving yards into that 3,600 yard equation. So it's not going to be easy for anybody to get theirs in totality of like what they're, you know, hoping, especially guys in a contract year like Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. So I thought it was a fair discussion. And the other half of it is people act like it's just the media that twists things up. Two days ago on Bears Twitter, somebody put out a video, shared the video of Chase Claypool's TikToks because he's been doing a lot of them in the training rooms and in inside Hallis Hall. And along this, this long video of him kind of taking you through a tour of Hallis Hall, at one point he's trying to trick Darnell Mooney because he doesn't like to be on camera. And he puts the phone in his pocket. He's like, I'm going to show you how mean Darnell Mooney is. And then he's, uh, Darnell Mooney is wiser to what he's trying to do. He goes, get that camera off of me. And then all these Bears fans on Twitter were like, oh, see, Chase Claypool's not focused and doing TikToks and, and Darnell Mooney's focused. So everybody that always wants to vilify the the fans are playing this game too this time of year. It's the worst time of the year, all right? It's the summer. We should just be focused on having fun in the sun and getting to training camp. But, you know, the content beast must be fed. So you're always going to have a conversation about different things. And all we have to go off right now is quotes and non-padded practices. That's what we have right now. And to Rex Smith in the comments here, it's just the media. The media just gets more sensitive than everyone else when they get called out. Uh, I can't speak for all of media Rex, but I can speak for myself. And there has not been one show on this CHGO Bears network where a good bunch of people aren't coming at me. And it, for the most part, I sleep well at night, you know? So I would say that my sensitive muscle is, 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 is fairly well built up. There's a lot. And people have different, different levels. Some athletes, they only talk when they win. They're not there after losses. They don't want to deal with it part of the and, deal right and it's not true rex I, I keep the receipts on twitter i'm i'm following bears twitter closely i'm friends with a lot of people from bears twitter follow most of them if anybody wants to follow come and ask me i'll follow you i ain't got no problem following you and seeing what you're talking about but when lewis <laughs> riddick was held feet to the fire before last year started saying seattle the seattle seahawks were going to be better than the bears bears fans were up in arms and then when that ended up being the then it ended up being the truth, Lewis Riddick called everyone out, and Bears fans certainly did get sensitive about it. But that's a discussion here, maybe for later in the show. But wanted to stri- strike it up a little bit and, and get my guy Carm fired up. But we now have to bring on our special oh. guest from the Chicago Sun Times, the legend Mark Potash, joined <laughs> CHGO Bears After Dark. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Oh, no problem. Glad to be on. Potsy, guys. this is, this is, a, I, I mean, I started the show with, this is just an enormous thrill to have you on. Uh, I think this, is this your first time on CHGO? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And, yeah. and what do you, where are you? Is that your basement? Are all those books? Yeah, it's my office in my basement. Yeah. See, but you're burying the lead. It's not the books. I've had them on uh, my, my podcast previously a couple it's years ago. It's, it's, you're missing the lead. it's not the books. It's the old school TV up to his left. That is the, that, that's, huge. That, that's the best part of yeah. what you got rocking in that basement. Special. What's that? Is that a 1987 special there? Oh, probably right around there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's, Hey, it still works. You know, just it's, it's not obsolete. Hey, um, 
Don't don't throw out when things are functioning. Why why get rid of them? All hey, right, I'm 64 hey. and I'm not obsolete. I hope. <laughs> you're, you're you're in your prime, Mark. Let 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 me. I, I actually, if if people don't mind, I'd like to go back in time a little bit here because we had Richard Dent on yesterday, Potsy, uh, and I and I asked him who on that defensive line helped you the most be as great as you were. Now Richard was going to be great no matter what, mm-hmm. but you know he's got Hamp, he's got Mongo. And I thought he would say one of those two. And he went ahead and said the refrigerator because they played on the same side. And he threw, he threw, he threw William Perry a ton of love. And I was, I was like, I, I, I was totally surprised by that answer. Does that surprise you? You know, no, uh, to tell you the truth, it doesn't. I mean, I, I, you would think that uh, that Hampton or Michael would be would be the choice, but it doesn't surprise me at all. And it's kind of, I think uh, it applies to the current bears. I mean, the inside guys, uh, the best inside guy who can create the most push is the guy who makes it better for for the outside rushers. That's, that's kind of what we're looking at with the Bears, right? And, and of course, like you said, Dent was going to be great no matter what. But it doesn't surprise me because I think that's a, that is an underrated facet is um, depending on, you know, you, you know, Hampton was inside, tackle McMichael was too, just in general. Um, the push those guys got is what really made uh, that defensive line as good as it was. And so uh, it's just, so no, it doesn't surprise me because I think that's kind of a unheralded uh, facet to uh, any great uh, outside pass rusher. You know, they're, they're like quarterbacks. They, they get too much of the credit and, and, uh, and that's, I think that's a good example of, of, of just how important uh, the, the inside guys are. And I'll throw one more at you. Did you have a hall of fame vote, Mark? I did not. Okay. Uh, you know, Listen, I, I think that, you know, Richard obviously belongs and Hampal obviously belongs. Mongo's not in there and, uh, you know, prayers up for Steve and just a, a, amazing, honestly, that he's still with us here with everything he's going through. Uh, but I was looking at the stats today, Potsy. Career numbers, Steve McMichael, 95 sacks. And I'm not doing this to, to down Hamp because Hamp's a friend of mine and an absolute Hall of Famer. But Mongo, 95 sacks. Hamp, 82. Mongo, 213 games in the NFL Hamp 157 uh and when you talk to guys around that team Mongo gets praised time and time again for being a consistent dude making plays and did not get the respect for whatever reason that he deserved I mean when I look at that it's like how in the world is Steve McMichael not a Hall of Famer well, I, I I see why the way the way people look at the Hall of Fame, I I, I, I it's understandable. I get it why he's kind of overlooked. But like it's make you make a good point. I think I think longevity and consistency and being there every day is is also an underrated facet of the NFL. And um, he not only was there, but he was consistent. He was one of those guys who, you remember Akeem Hicks when, when Akeem Hicks was with the Bears, he was one of those guys who even when he wasn't, if you watched him just solo, you saw that he made an impact on every single play and. Steve McMichael did that for a longer period of time at probably a higher level. And that's the important thing. The overlooked thing about defensive tackles is that they impact every play, not only, you know, for the outside guys, but for themselves and for, and for linebackers. And uh, he made, you know, McMichael made a lot of players better than they probably were. So I would agree with that. uh, But I think you really need, you know, that's why I think the Hall of Fame is good. They really have guys who saw them play, make the, you know, pitch their pitch their case uh, at, at the Hall of Fame vote. And I think that's one thing that will help 
uh, McMichael. You know, the sooner the better, obviously. But I understand why he's overlooked, and I understand why people who didn't see his career, watch him game to game, would not vote him in and would think he's a Hall of Very Good guy. But um, when you know the kind of the nuances of football and 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 see it firsthand. Uh, I think you can, you can see why uh, he uh, Stephen Michael would be very deserving because uh, he was a huge part of the, of those Bears teams and just his story in itself coming from where he did to be as good as he was and as consistently as he was you could always count on him uh, yeah I, I, I could I, certainly I'd be in favor of that and Bragg's I by the way I didn't mean to and everybody I didn't mean to turn this into an 85 yeah. Bears conversation at the start here but it's just been on my, it was on my mind later today the more I was thinking about it uh, and I, and this is my last little tidbit on it. They had Wilbur Marshall when they won the Super Bowl, and then he, the Bears didn't want to pay him. George McCaskey was completely out of his mind. Uh, not George, uh, Mike McCaskey and company, and they let Wilbur go to, to Washington. And that defense was never the same. So that dude, um, they were they were very good, but they weren't as dominant without Wilbur. Would you agree with that? You're giving me the look, Pat. Yeah. Look. Uh, are you talking? I would. I let me interject and say I. I. I think so. And it's you know it's also noteworthy that Wilbur Marshall was kind of never the same either. He was good, very good uh, uh, with the with the Redskins, but not as good as he was. And that's why I think it's so important to do everything you can to keep teams together in the NFL and allow teams to pay players. And um, of course, I don't know if that was quite the issue. I think it was just more the Bears just didn't want to give up the money. But but anyway, yeah. I think I think it's important. I think continuity is important in football. Um, I think there are guys, uh, not to take it off to a, on a tangent, but, you know, I think Ndamukong Kong Su is a great example of a guy, best defensive tackle in football. I mean, best defensive player in football, Aaron Donald level. He went to it, went to it, went to a new team and has never really, he's been a good player, but never the same. And, and I think that was kind of a Wilbur Marshall thing, even though he was very good, but he wasn't, you know, just wasn't the same thing. And that's why uh, to, uh, and that's why I just think it's important uh, as much as they can in football is to keep allow teams that develop draft and develop well to keep those players and keep players together. I think it benefits uh, players and teams to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mark, we appreciate your coverage very much as bears fans. I think I can speak for everybody in the chat. I think the one thing that we love about you is when you're in these press conferences, you, we always know you stand out because your questions are always pretty hard hitting and then you'll follow them up fairly quickly with another one. And we as Bears fans, that's what we want is to have these guys, you know, not, you know, out of purpose, you know, to get a click, but to, you know, to hold these guys feet to the fire so we can hear some real answers. And when you were at these OTAs here over the last, you know, couple of days and, and just what you've seen from these new look bears, you know, I think what everybody's focused on the players and I want to get to some of your observations with them. But are we asking enough questions about the coaching staff? They've been here a year now. Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, Alan Williams. You know, they get so much of a pass because the roster was so depleted last year. Have we asked enough questions of if they're ready to take this next step, not just the players? Well, I'll tell you, Greg, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if we're not asking enough questions. I do think this is a huge year for this coaching staff. I think this season – is all about the coaching staff. They've put a lot of faith in scheme fit and getting the right players for the right position. And for players in the first year, making jumps from the second year, I still say that, you know, the most important, I think one of the most important players to watch is Braxton Jones. Can he, can he, you know, I know Darnell Wright, I have a confidence that he will be a competent, if not good right tackle, but can Braxton Jones uh, in the second year in this offense be better? And that's a lot of that is, 
you know, Darnell Wright's going to be good because he's good. Braxton Jones needs to be taught and coached. And, and I think he's going to be a guy you look at and say, was he coached well enough to take, take it to the next level? And so I think this is going to be, that's just one example. I mean, uh, Jaquan Brisker, uh, uh, Kyler Gordon, they've got a ton of guys who are now in their second year and it's, and they're good players, but I think coaching is going to be a big factor in those guys being just good for rookies to being good, you know, NFL playoff caliber, good. And so I, I, I'm, I, I, I think those questions need to be asked as the season progresses. Let's see what happens right now. Uh, I'm still in that kind of, as far as the coaching staff, still in that year one mode where uh, they have the benefit of the doubt as this season, upcoming season progresses and early and they don't, and, and they need to show improvement. That's when the questions for the coaching staff will start because when you don't get a big pass rusher, like they haven't, and when you're counting on rookies to make it important, make an impact, that's all about coaching. You know, that's the, that, you know, someone's going to have to make the Marcus Walker a really a much better pass rusher than he was. And that's coaching. And uh, and, and someone's going to have to prove to prove to us that that uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds is a better fit for this defense than Roquan Smith was. That's coaching. So it's all about coaching. So to answer your question, I'm not at that point right now where we need to be asking those questions. But I am definitely looking to do that as this season progresses, because that's what this season's all about is players already on the roster progressing. And I think the biggest question for me, because the one thing I know I can take away from is they got a little lost in the sauce with Justin Fields last year and they ran him out of gas. It was fun. We were all on the, the, the carnival ride together. It was amazing to watch for six weeks. And then his legs literally gave out and then they kept running him to the point where he injures his shoulder. And then it becomes this trickle down effect at the end of the year where you really, you're kind of putting him in harm's way at that point by playing him with a hurt shoulder and tired legs. And my question is going to be, can Eberflus and Luke Getze show discipline this year to develop Justin Fields without getting greedy by just having him do it himself because you're trying to win games. Yeah. Justin Fields can do that on his own, but you do it too much and he's going to get tired legs again. And before you know it, we're going to have PJ Walker in there you know, taking some starts from Justin Fields. Yeah, I think last year was kind of a one-off for the way Justin Fields was used. There's no way that they expect to use him that same way. That will be a failure if they if they have to do that. I'll bet uh, there's a better chance that the question we'll be asking is, are you running him enough at the end of this year? Because they are they are going to have to be able to pass the ball, and he's going to have to be a passer for him to be uh, an effective uh, an effective quarterback in the NFL. That's kind of what last year, I thought that was what last year proved is that, yeah, the running is great. He literally set, was setting NFL records, but yet we saw, like you said, we saw what it did to him and to the offense. And it just, that, that offense was just not ready for Justin Fields to lift this team on, uh, lift this offense on his shoulders this year. It's going to have to be that way. And if it's not, uh, even if they win some games, I don't think it's going to be a successful season. It's all about Justin Fields becoming a quarterback and not just a running quarterback. Mark, what was your first year covering the Bears? Uh, Mid '90s, I guess I was coming out in like '95, '96 uh, for like uh, you know as a backup for you know Friday practices and things like that. And okay, because I, I guess I'm just trying to go back through history here. So you, I mean, you whatever you you you've seen it all. You don't have to cover it, but in in your mind. Why do you think the Bears have never been able to figure out the quarterback position? And to top that off, like, do you think they have it figured out now? 
Um, well, that's a huge question for theirs. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't know why. I, I, I think they, they are a dysfunctional organization. They have been for a long time. They definitely have been since Michael McCaskey took over. Um, ever since George Ellis died, they, they've been even more dysfunctional, dysfunctional to a detrimental uh, 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 level. And I don't know how that much that affects the quarterback situation per se, or, you know, in particular, but just in general, they've had trouble getting wide receivers, you know, any kind of offense. Um, so I just think it's uh, uh, just, I, I go into management, even their good management, even good management has not, let's put it this way. Jim Pinks is one of the best uh, 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 general managers in the history of the NFL. Certainly the best in, in uh, that the bears have had in the modern NFL and the one version he had historically was quarterbacks. He could not get a quarterback at Minnesota. He traded uh, Fran Tarkenton and had to get get him back uh, to get them back on track. Uh, uh, he could uh, he, he he could not get a quarterback with the Bears. The uh, most most people I think agree that Jim McMahon was a Mike Ditka pick that was you know in his tenure. So that's the best. So even what I'm saying is I don't want to denigrate the GMs because a lot of them were actually pretty good, but. Even the best GM struggled to just we're not quarterback centric and and uh, and and struggled with that. So uh, I don't know if there's any theme to it, to be honest. I think it's just general mismanagement that is they haven't been able to get enough players on offense who could make any quarterback good. Everything had to be perfect. And it just hasn't been. I mean, I think it's a, a very fair answer. It's not just a quarterback problem. It's a it's an overall problem, which is why the Bears haven't won a Super Bowl since 1985. We, uh, I get it. Do you, do you think and can say with confidence that the organization right now is in the best position that it has been in since maybe Jim Finks is there? Or are you still in the, well, let's wait and see and, and, and give yeah, it a little that, more time to marinate before, before you go there. It's hard to say because uh, I was pretty, I, th- I felt pretty good about Ryan Pace after the first couple of years and supposedly with, you know, once he got going with um, Matt Nagy, you were hearing a lot about collaboration and you heard a lot about chemistry and culture and it was supposedly good. And now it turns out the culture was bad. Right. I mean, so, you know, what, you know, who, who knows? We're too early in it to make any kind uh, any kind of judgment. The one thing I will say is. I am. And I do. I do like polls. I, I like the way I think there are some differences. You always look for things they do different differently because GMs have always, you know, in the beginning, like, you know, Phil Emery, first thing he did was he got Brandon Marshall and we all thought that was great. And then Ryan Pace, the first thing he did was get rid of Brandon Marshall. And we thought that was great. Maybe that in (laughs) itself tells you what the problem is, is that both guys, their best, one of their best early moves was for the same player, but one was for getting him and the other was getting rid of him. But my point is, is that those guys look good early too. And it always looks good at this point. But what I like about polls is a, he's much more transparent. He talks to the national media. Uh, He, uh, he, he does, he's not afraid to, leak things and to you know tell you know tell people things and he plays the game he's that's the best way i can say he's willing to play the game which ryan pace to a to a to to his to a fault literally to a fault was not he was so spy versus spy secretive that he 
you know, he screwed himself by fixating on a quarterback that he never should have fixated on. And uh, and maybe if there would have been trial balloons and things like that, and people would have known about interest in Trubisky, maybe things would have, maybe things might have been different. Who knows? But anyway, that's a totally different story. But I just think I like I like that about polls. I just I like his I like the fact that you know I thought he should have made more out of the cap space and the and, and frankly uh, the um, the draft capital he had just as far as names or impact. You know, get a Will Anderson, get a Jalen Carter you know, uh, get an Orlando Brown, but that's, that doesn't mean I'm right. I could be, I like the fact that he did something else and look and kind of played the long game and look towards 24, 25, pick up draft picks, get lesser player, you know, get lower, you know, lower play. I like, I like that. He's patient. I like that. I think that's a good sign, but I think the best thing, frankly, is that they have Kevin Warren. They have a buffer now between the McCaskey Ted Phillips thing that kind of for some reason made everyone the worst version of themselves at Hell's Hall. And I think the more, the more insulation you have from that level of the leadership with the bears, I think the better. And I think that might, as much as anything, give, uh, give up uh, polls and Eberflus the best chance for success, because instead of chumming around with, 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 with George and Ted, now they're chumming around with uh, uh, with Kevin Warren and Kevin Warren, not necessarily a football guy, but certainly a, just a much uh, a, mu- a much more credible football you know football or sports guy, I guess. Um, who you know who who uh, I think will I don't know will uh, will be a good sounding board uh, on, on on multiple levels for the Bears. So I think that's I, I think that's that's reason to think that yeah this could be different. But to your original question. Uh, a little too early to make it for me anyway, having seen too many of these things fall apart after you feel so good about it a little too early to say, yeah, this one's going to be different because so many things could happen. No injuries. Who's going to get hurt. Right. I mean, we, right. we don't know. So, um, you know, if Kevin White doesn't get hurt. Maybe, maybe Pace's uh, his regime is a little bit different. So. Well, and to your point, when you, when you bring up the irony of, of getting rid of Brandon or trading for Brandon and getting rid of him, well, with Pace, he did the worst move in drafting Mitch Trubisky and then the best move of drafting Justin Fields and still got fired for it. But I think the difference is with Pace and Poles is with Pace, he traded up for both of those guys. Whereas Poles, like you said, is playing the long game and trying to trade back. So maybe just because it's different than what Pace did, which failed, is why Bears fans are trusting in his process so far. I mean, you yeah, brought up. I, I would add. I would add to that just that I think it's important. I think the draft pick thing is important. I think acquiring now Pace was in a situation where with like um, uh, with Khalil Mack, where he had to give up picks and and, right. and somebody did it on his own. But I think in general, you look at the Bulls who have no draft picks. I mean, I think acquiring picks is better than giving them away. That's I think in general, I think we've learned that over the last few years, and that is definitely pulls his mo. Uh, you know, it, 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 he give he gave up one to get Tyreek Stevenson, I think, but he got it back. You know, so he's he's. I think that's a that sounds to me like the um the, the way to go. Well, I mean, while we're on this part of it, let's just get into it real quick because you you put two. I was going to ask this later, but I want to ask it now that we're in this point of draft picks because right after the schedules came out. You picked the Bears. I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek. You never know with you in, in your Twitter game, which is top-notch, Potsy. But you said Bears 10-7, and seven, and then you had the Panthers for three wins this year. And if that's the case, the Bears are going to have another top five or even potentially a top three pick. And if that's the case, when you look at this quarterback class that's coming out, there could be the potential to trade back 
even more and acquire more future first round picks, which I love all about when it comes to uh, acquiring future draft capital. So when you look at Bryce Young, obviously you, I'm not sure how you feel about him and his growth personally, but you obviously think that they're not going to be there this year. Well, I was actually, actually, that was, that was more tongue in cheek than anything else. So just having a little fun with the uh, bears. Actually, I think the, 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 the Panthers are going to be, you know, have a chance to be pretty decent. Um, maybe even the same record as the bears. I mean, they could be, so uh, I'm not sure. I, I'll be honest in all honesty, um, getting out of my Twitter persona, uh, <laughs> my reporter's persona, I'd say there's as good a chance. I'd say uh, uh, the Panthers actually have a decent chance um, okay. because, amazingly because their schedule, because their schedule right now, who knows what will happen, how it'll turn out, but their schedule just isn't that isn't difficult enough where you can predict that they will, you know, that they will go three and 14 or whatever. Um, so I think I'm not sure who's going to have the higher pick to tell you the truth, but it does give them an, another shot at it, at, uh, at getting that pick. But, yeah. but, but, you know, I'm, I, uh, I think I'm I, I'm hoping I guess that they have a better shot at Marvin Harrison Jr. than looking at a quarterback, because uh, uh, yeah. I think if the Bears need a quarterback in the draft, uh, they're going to be in tough shape all the way around, and, and there's going to be a lot of dissatisfaction. Yeah, uh, yeah, that won't be a fun conversation. What is is with you being at OTAs, getting to see DJ Moore first time in a Bears uniform. You know, when Brandon Marshall came here, with all you know his craziness at times, he was a dynamic wide receiver. Never seen a guy like that come to training camp and catch one-handed passes with his size and everything. Now you've got a, a similar, you know, caliber star wide receiver in DJ Moore. What what are your takeaways with him or or any of these newcomers? Has any of them stood out to you so far in this very early process with the new look bears? Yeah, can't really say that after watching one OTA, especially in Perfect. May. It's just it's just way too early to make any kind of judgments. Um, yeah, DJ Moore is impressive. Um, I think he adds um, the only fast, the one facet I think he adds that you've that you've seen already is that uh, and very simply he can get open. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, just get open. And I think the Bears already, even hearing from Fields yesterday. Uh, um, uh, that uh, that you can you can tell that he has an appreciation just for the fact that this guy understand has a little uh, understands the game within the game the nuances of the game and how you and how you uh, how it takes more than just short area quickness and and speed to get open in the NFL and I think he's looking forward to that just completing passes and I know I, uh, I I've said it before I just think that's the most important thing for this offense because you know a lot of talk about the chemistry and and uh, having a connection. And, you know, you mostly get that in games. I know I know it's built. You build a foundation for that in practice. But that kind of Devontae Adams, uh, Aaron Rodgers connection, those happens in games. And this team needs plays more than anything else. They need first downs. They need drives longer than three, four, and five plays. And D.J. Moore, because he can get open, gives you that opportunity. Because on third and four, he's that guy who can get that. The Bears n- almost never have this. He's that guy who, even when everyone's expecting him to get the ball, will still get the ball, get the first down, keep the chains moving. And this offense needs that to grow in its second season. So I think that's the most, that's one of the most important things I think offensively, even more so than the offensive line is, uh, uh, development or as much as is just being able to get, uh, give this offense room to breathe and room to grow because it ha- under Luke Getzey, it, it has to. And DJ Moore's uh, presence gives them the best chance to do that because he's a guy who 
on either second and short, third and short, whatever, can get open and just keep the uh, keep the chains moving. And I know that's a real simple, non sexy uh, uh, thing for the Bears to uh, analysis of of what the Bears need, but I just think it's true. I just I've seen too many bad Bears offenses to know that you gotta you gotta walk before you can run. We're going to do two separate interviews here. Bragg's going to continue to ask about this team. I'm going to keep on going back in time. Mark. <laughs> your your favorite your favorite coach that you ever it's covered. Like a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> yes, I, I think we can do this. Your favorite coach that you ever covered, dating back to '95. Uh, for the Bears. Yes. Well, you can I expand out. Sure. Well, no. Um. Well, that's always I'm real bad at the that off the top of my head because if I thought about it. Well, it's, I can name some. That's why I'm in newspapers and not radio, because if I had a chance to think about it, I'd come up with a really good list. But off the top of my head, no. Um, you know something? I'm going to say Wani. You know why? Because it was so much different then. We had so much better access to the coach. We had so much of a better relationship with the coach. He would come into the press room and talk to us and chat with us. And so, and not that you need that, but that still makes it fun. It gives you a little better idea of what the coach is thinking or what the coach is about. And from a professional standpoint, I think even though he was not as successful, and he wasn't, certainly the years I was covering, uh, he, he was not in 97, 98. Um, but uh, I just like Wani, and uh, I, I'm happy that he's kind of been uh, uh, had this renaissance uh, in Chicago. Uh, for a guy who was as uh, reviled as he was at the, at the end of his, I mean, uh, at the end of his uh, uh, coaching tenure, for him to be, have the stature in town that he does now, I think is great and really says something says a lot because uh, it just shows that it's, it, uh, he hasn't been scarred. He hasn't been scarred that much and his reputation hasn't been. So I think it's great. So my choice, my choice would be, uh, um, uh, would, would be Wani just because I, uh, uh, a, I, I, he was more likable and we got, I got to know him better. These coaches now, I mean, Matt Nagy, I sorry to run on here, but Matt Nagy, nice guy. I really liked him. I hoped, I wished he would have been, uh, you know, more successful, but in four years, I never had one one-on-one conversation with them. And, uh, and that's just the way the bears, that's the way the NFL, but especially the bears run things now is that you really don't get to know a guy. And so, um, so that, you know, that, that just shows you what the difference is. Yeah. So now going back to the present, still sticking <laughs> with this, uh, some of my schedule thoughts, big picture. I heard some bears fans trying to sell me the idea that six wins would be an improvement because it's twice as many wins as they had last year. And I was vehement that if they win six games, that's a huge disappointment that your floor as a fan should be seven wins. And they're like, well, they were the worst team in football last year. What do you expect? I literally don't. They were trying to lose. They are now trying to win. Are, is their roster perfect? No. How many teams in the NFL actually have a perfect roster? I don't care. I am not going to say six wins and I, at the end of the year, be happy about that. What do you say to fans that do? Yeah, I, I, well, I, I agree because you, I think your, your point is well taken that this was uh, the three, there's a three win team that was not trying to win. I think that's important to know that the, the bears just weren't like any other three win team. So I think three to six is, would not be good. I, I um, my uh, my feeling on that is uh, improvement is all measured by Justin Fields. Uh, if Justin Fields becomes uh, Justin Herbert and the Bears win six games, I'm good with that. Now, 
it's hard for him to be Justin Herbert and for them to, they should win more than six games if he does. But I'm just saying everything to me is focused on how good uh, is Justin Fields. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's interrelated. I mean, if Justin Fields is, is the better he is, the more games they should win. So, um, uh, so well, I guess what I'm saying is if they don't make the playoffs, but Justin Fields takes the next step. I think, I think that's, that's still a win for the bears. And I will say this, I, you know, um, a lot of times people have said, you know, very few three-win teams have taken, and you know, in general, three-win teams have not done well. There's not a lot of teams, but if you take three-win teams in the Bears situation, which is a three-win team in a under a first-year coach with a with a young quarterback, and who uh, both of whom are there the second year, then that cuts it down. Then then there are more teams like that that have gone to the playoffs. There's like five or six teams in the last 20 years that, and I don't have it off the top of my head. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. If you look it up, but there are three win teams under first year coaches that get the same coach and the same quarterback in the second year. And like the fewest wins of those teams is like seven. Most teams have won nine, 10. Uh, the, the, uh, the Colts famously went 13 and three with Peyton Manning, which is an extreme example, but still. So I, when you, I guess when you said three wins, that, that's what kicked into my head is that, the Bears, three win teams uh, in the Bears situation have a much better chance to make a bigger jump. So uh, to me, that refutes the idea that, oh, they only won three games. How much more, how much improvement can they make? No, I think this, I think in their situation, uh, uh, second year coach, second year quarterback in the offense, everything the same, same coordinator. I think they have a much better chance to take a, a, a what people would call a quantum leap to nine, maybe even 10 wins, uh, depending on how the schedule shakes out. It's, I don't think it's absurd to, to expect, not to expect to, to think that that can happen. The great Mark Potash covering the Bears for the Chicago Times with us here on CHGO Bears for those in the audio space. And if you somehow forgot who, were, who our guest is tonight. Mark, you grew up where again? I grew up in uh, Chicago. In the south city, side, south side, uh, okay. and then uh, north side in Lincolnwood. Okay, so pure city. This exact. I'm so happy you just said that because it adds into my question. Are you going to be pissed if the Bears leave Soldier Field, leave the city? No, I won't be. Um, be a because I just think they need. Uh, and I, I was a staunch. Um, I wrote a column about this when the this all this first came up is when you know i was for the bears the renovation of soldier field because I, I just i'm just an old school guy i grew up in the city and and i just love chicago and i wanted that uh and i think they needed that but then i kind of changed my tune on that and and uh and i i don't like the now i don't like the renovation and i think them getting a modern stadium even a dome stadium i think is i don't know about a must but i'm all for it it would be great if it was on the lakefront it would be great if it was in the city but that it's not um, that's not an affront to my sensibilities as a, you know, Chicago sports fan for 60 years. You know, I, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. Like maybe it would have 20 years ago. I, I think it's just the reality of the NFL that they, that they need, uh, that they need this. So no, th that's not going to, that's not going to bother me. Uh, you know, I wish it would be in the city, but it, that it's not, um, I live in Arlington Heights. I just hope it doesn't raise my, my uh, property taxes. That's all. You, you, you can sell your house and clean up at some point. Uh, I don't think that's the way it works. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, something tells me that's not the way it works. You know, it hopefully it won't hurt you. I think it probably will help it's you. It's funny how the bears get to debate uh, with the, the assessor, the, the valuation of their property. And I, and I don't, I, I, I can, appeal it. <laughs> I, I'm an Arlington Heights resident too. I can appeal it, but whatever they say goes, I can't say try again. Like they're saying, but you know, I guess I guess when you're Kevin Warren and the Chicago Bears, it maybe have a little more, a little more power than I than just a citizen like myself, a homeowner like myself. I mean, I'd love for it to stay in Chicago, 
I, I live closer to Chicago than I do Arlington Heights being in Northwest Indiana. But, you know, when we went to the, the high school town hall meeting last year and watched their presentation, it is impossible to not be excited about the idea of this thing. I mean, it's going to take 10, 15 years for it to actually be completed. But uh, Bearslandia sounds awesome to someone like me where I can run around this whole town with my shirt off and just go crazy. I mean, that they, they're going to have kayaks. Me and Carm can, you know, get in the paddle boat. It'd be romantic. Yeah. I just, I just like the fact that uh, after seeing, and I was an, uh, you know, I'm an outdoor football guy, you know, I'm, you know, Grabowski old school, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but after seeing some of these stadiums and the way they've gotten better about with, with the natural light and things like that, especially uh, in Indianapolis, uh, Houston, and the, the big one for me was Minneapolis. And when you see that stadium, every time I've gone there, I've tweeted out, Bears have to get one of these. And and so to me, that's what it is. I don't need Bearland. I mean, uh, the only thing I want there is, is a Chicago Sports Hall of Fame. That'll be my next big kick is not a Bears Hall of Fame. I think if they're going to have a big complex like that, and I don't mean to take this off on a tangent, but I think there needs to be, I think George McCaskey, one of the best sports fan among all Bear, all owners in town, should get behind a Chicago Sports Hall of Fame, which we have only in name only and on the internet, internet only. And we really need it. That I would like to see, but really, you're saying uh, Chicago Sports Hall of Fame, not just Chicago Bears Hall. Not of Chicago Fame. Bears. So it, it, if you were at that thing at Hersey High School, they actually have a Bears Hall of Fame listed as part of that project. But I think it should be the Chicago Sports Hall of Fame. I think the city needs a Sports Hall of Fame that that people from Chicago should go to, need to go to, not just people from out of town. And uh, and uh, that you know maybe when I retire or whatever, or maybe before I do, that will be. That will be my big uh, kick uh, to, to get that done. But that's only in regard to like it being a big complex. I'm not, I'll be honest. I just think the stadium is the thing. And I almost wish that they would have just built the stadium and just take, you know, it's the bears usually don't aren't good at thinking too big. And so uh, I, I hope they haven't bitten off more than they can chew. But to me, it's a stadium. And I, uh, going back to those stadiums now, the way they are, I've not been to SoFi, um, but I've been to the one in Vegas and, um, and, and I, again, I go back to a U.S. bank stadium in Minneapolis. If they could just build that, I think, I think that would be good. I think, I think that'd be a good thing for Chicago and the bears. Hey, Mark, we appreciate the time. Uh, I don't know how long Bragg's going to hold you here, but just in case well, he's leaving. Right. I mean, Gary Ross did have one question in the chat. I was going to throw, I was going to throw it out there. Uh, Gary wants to know how long do you think Jalen Johnson's going to hold out? Um, what's your sense on that? If, if, if anything at this point. You know, uh, the only thing I can say is I'm not going to tell you, oh, it's just a perfunctory thing and that he's going to be back because I, I know, A, I know how much Jalen Johnson thinks of himself and he thinks very highly of himself. And I know how much the Bears are almost obsessed with getting players at their price and um, and so I really, so I, all I can say is if this thing goes, uh, longer than, than you think and gets into training camp or beyond, it would not surprise me because, um, both sides are, uh, I think pretty adamant at one, you know, the bears don't want to, bears aren't going to over, you know, the bears are not going to, I thought if you could over, I, I, maybe, I guess I was wrong, but I thought if you're going to overpay for anybody, overpay for Roquan Smith because he's still going to be great no matter, you know, even if he's not uh, worth 20 million, he's going to be worth 18 and he's going to keep your defense together. I thought to me, that's when you have 
cap space, I think it's okay to, to overpay for premium talent. You end up doing that anyway. You'll do that with the quarterback if he's good. So, but anyway, the, the Bears obviously wouldn't do that. A lot of that was for whatever, you know, personal reasons, I think. They just didn't like him. And uh, and so, but my point is they are, they seem like they really want to get, they're, they're not going to just, okay, this guy looks good. Let's pay him, you know, whatever uh, above the going rate to keep him happy and keep things going. So, uh, so it would not surprise me if this thing goes on uh, uh, much longer, uh, uh, you know, into, uh, into, uh, you know, the, the mandatory mini camp and training camp, because like I said, I know how both sides how, feel, how strongly both sides feel. I haven't heard anybody put it like that. I think it's spot on the bears. This regime has their price point and they're not, they're not bumping on it or, you know, the, once they hit their ceiling, be it with Roquan or Mike McGlinchey or, I, I suppose that's what's going on right now with Jalen as well. Well, you can argue uh, that's a good David thing. Montgomery. You can argue that's a good thing that even he, even when he was flush with cash, he didn't go overboard. He didn't overpay for somebody. The question is, is Jalen Johnson, somebody's homegrown, a key position and uh, you know, a guy who can get even better in the, the next contract. Is he worth uh, overpaying? Maybe Mike McGlinchey isn't. He's in a different career situation. The question yeah. is, I think overall, in general, that is a good GM trait. But you saw, you can't be, you cannot be. There are no absolutes. You can't be absolutely uh, uh, cost efficient. And sometimes you have to splurge. And it, the question is, when do you splurge? Do you splurge for Darnell Mooney? Do you splurge for the quarterback? Do you splurge for the cornerback? Uh, so. That that that's what makes and breaks. That's why some GMs are better than others. They know who to spend money on and who not to. It'll be interesting. But the other interesting thing is just the whole idea of chemist of of culture. And you know, you talk about the they always like to talk about their great culture, but they've got two guys who apparently are not there for whatever reason. And Nate Davis and and yeah. Jalen Johnson, and they got guys two years in a row now, guys who aren't happy with their contract. You know, for some reason, that doesn't have anything to do with culture at the Hallis Hall. So they kind of pick and choose when they like culture and when they don't. Yeah, that was an interesting point you made in your most recent article about uh, Nate Davis not being in OTAs after just getting paid. You know, that's it's that's definitely odd. Point. I'm surprised that didn't get more. I know Jalen Johnson, that's more of a normal thing. But I'll tell you, sorry to interrupt you, but you Nate Davis is just a strange, strange thing. Now, maybe he was just had an excused absence. Well, you know, the Bears have to tell us that. I mean. Otherwise, yeah. we're going to speculate. Otherwise, yeah. it's a straight an off offensive lineman. You know, that's a unit. That's a team within a team. Those guys are always so close. They always need. They always talk about how much uh, uh, time they need together. When's the last time an offensive lineman is kind of bolted in in this situation? So I don't know. Maybe it's much to do about nothing. Maybe it's an excused absence. But on the face of it, it looks kind of strange to me that a guy who just got paid is not uh, participating in, in OTAs, and the Bears wouldn't acknowledge you know, that it was just a, uh, you know, a personal veteran thing. Yeah. Yeah, It's a fair point to make. And, you know, you had a great article kind of highlighting Tremaine Edmonds and, and the new look bears. And I encourage everyone uh, to go check out that article and every bit of the coverage you do Mark uh, for the Chicago Sun times, you know, everybody here loves you. And and we certainly do here too. So we appreciate all the time you've given us here tonight. When I told uh, Carmen that you were coming on, he's like, I love Potsy. I was like, there we go. See, so I who doesn't? So um, we we appreciate you a lot, and uh, I look up to you a great deal. Uh, enjoy your uh, courage in your questions. That's, that's well, I, hope I, I, look I up to do right by you at the combine, Mark. Well, thanks, Greg, and thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh,
It was a good kind yeah, of we'll, good hey, Next time, we'll have to try to get you in studio sometime. Uh, we'd love to have you. That would be great. Okay. Just let me know. Mark, right. good to see you. I'll, we'll, we'll see you, I guess, maybe next Wednesday for the big OTA. That was good, Mark. See you, Greg. Yeah, Thanks again. Have a good night. That is Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, killed it here tonight here on CHGO Bears After Dark. So we appreciate his time as always. So, uh, yeah, just moving on. You know, uh, you know, one of the headlines of this show, obviously, was the David Montgomery quote, uh, which I'm not sure if we, we were able to, to – to get it up and my guy Steven in the back having my back here today brought this up and, and David Montgomery said on his Lions gaming podcast or maybe not his but he said that's all I was used to talking about the Chicago Bears and it got to a point where it sucked the fun out of the game for me because I'm a competitor I like to compete that's what football's about it's so refreshing to be in a place where that's appreciated, you know, and this is a guy that has moved on to an historically bad franchise, as you and Hogue uh, pointed out on the afternoon show, find it kind of funny that that's what he's going to put as his big ringer point against the bears. Obviously he's jaded uh, because he didn't get the money or whatever, but to me, he picked the lines over the bears, the bears, made an offer to him at the end of the day, David Montgomery is going to have to get used to the treatment, maybe unfair that you know is a different conversation, but running backs are treated this way. He's going to find himself on two or three different teams here in the next five years. And it's not, it's business, David, you're, you're just running backs have become a dime a dozen 20 years ago. You would have been, you know, one of the top players in the league. Now, They'll find undrafted free agents that'll get the same kind of production. And Detroit already drafted a running back with uh, the 12th pick in the draft this year in Jameer Gibbs. So, you know, to me, you know, I was always the one last year poking fun. I have respect for David Montgomery's game, but I just always felt that his value was overvalued by a lot of Bears fans because of the heart and the grit and, 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 you know, his leadership intangibles. But at the end of the day, he had only, he had 200 carries Mark and only one carry for over 20 yards. It's not going to cut it. So he can get in his feelings all he wants. He's now in Detroit. Good luck to you, David Montgomery. So, uh, Gregory, are you taking a victory lap on David Montgomery right now? I, yeah, he wants to he wants to shoot at us. I'm gonna shoot back across the bow. Was and David Mon- now no. joining my bandwagon. I've been against Montgomery for a while, at least paying him. So now everybody's on me because he said something mean about us. So yeah, I'm gonna lead the charge, shooting back at him because Bears are gonna be better than Detroit this year. I mean, we 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 said a lot earlier today, so I don't have a whole lot of a huge leg to stand on here, but. I do want to remind you and other Bears fans that 32 was first class when he was in when he was here. That's all. I do think we need to, you know, give him some some respect. He he was first class on the field. He was first class off the field. Sure, he wasn't the greatest running back to ever do it, but he was super solid. He didn't feel appreciated. You ever not feel appreciated in life, there, There's Gregory? No way he appreciated by who? The fans adored him. The team loved him. Are you, know, you a fan? 
Yes, I'm a fan. I'm. I did was. You not, the, did you not? Spend the, the, did you not spend? Minority of guys that were like he's overvalued. Everybody else loved David Montgomery and refused to want to let him go. There wasn't anyone that didn't appreciate him here in Chicago. He's making that up. Unless he's literally talking about the dollars and cents. Gregory. Gregory. Cramery. Gregory. You were on this show all season long. (laughs) (laughs) You were consistently talking about get rid of him. Not needed. Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe... 32 literally was just watching this show. It's like, you know what? I'm going to stick it to Braggs. <laughs> now, the Bears bastard says he posted on Instagram saying he wasn't talking about the fans, which I have of not course. seen yet. So, okay. Okay. And okay. I would hope not because Bears fans love him. <clears throat> He's now a rival. So, I'm sorry. We're going to have to hate him at some point. The, Might as well start now. We did. Okay. The Bears bastard. Thank you for that. All right, and he clearly, of course, was not talking about the fans, but Greg was talking about the fans, and I was just pointing out that as Greg is a fan, and he went at him all season long, so it's not like all the fans loved him. It was a ridiculously hypocritical comment right there. So I just wanted to you know, shine a light back, a little reflective situation here, because that was absurd. However, look, what he did not say is that he did not get a sense of – appreciation clearly from this coaching staff. And I do think there is a way in which the fluce is just right down the middle, man. You know, he is do that's, we're going to do things our way. And we are, we have these expectations and I don't, I I'm sure he's got some favorites, but I think he's a non-favorite guy. And they're they are not going they are not going to look look at the way they're treated Jalen. He was Flus was here for five seconds and he put him he made him a second team guy. Right. So Kevin Jenkins. And and to your point, when they announced who the captains were, which was voted by the players, he was not one of the voted captains. It was Cody Whitehair, Justin Fields, and yeah. Who, Help me out, Gary, in the chat. Who was the third of my, But it wasn't. But it wasn't David Montgomery. And then I think it was Roquan. And then when they traded Roquan or Robert Quinn, one of the two, when they got rid of and then had an open spot, again, it wasn't David Montgomery. And then I, that was the point I kept making over the season. I was like, all this leadership top talk, but they don't put the C on his chest. So maybe that's what he's talking about, that he wasn't voted a captain. And that's that wasn't appreciated. I don't know. All I know is he's a rival now. He's on the Lions. He's, you know, they're are you, gambling. Are you, boo- and, are you booing him when he runs out of the tunnel? Well, we won't be. I won't be in the tunnel. But if I, I, I was no, in the don't tunnel. Get in, don't get into semantics. semantics. If you're there and and, and 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 he runs out of the tunnel, are you booing? Yeah, I'll boo him. I'll boo him. All right, we got to end the show. <laughs> no, I, I got no issue with David when he was with the Bears. But now he's a rival. So, I'm sorry, you know, you're not, you to apologize you're not, not only are you not here anymore, you're on our ri- division rivals, you know, the Lions, everybody's the, the flavor of the month. They got them playing the Chiefs week one, like there's some hot ticket when they're not. So I'm not, you know, I'm sorry. Hey, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it is either. I just, we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't need to, we don't need to get all hot and booey Mar- David Montgomery. Hot. 
I'm getting hot about it. So I, I don't want to hear his, I don't want to hear it. Quit your crying. Go get to work before Jameer Gibbs goes and ch- takes your job. That's what I have to say about that. Hey, I'm the one that had the whole, I was leading the charge with David Montgomery. So now everybody's on board with, ah, forget David Montgomery. Get out of here. So whatever. You that's true. You you get you get mayor of David Montgomery sucks Boulevard. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, well, I was surprised Hogue didn't defend him. You know, like he was one of his uh, children. Uh, he actually went the other way. So I was surprised by that because I know how much Adam Hogue loves David Montgomery. All right, for real though, we do got to get out of here because All there's right, a tough show real coming quick up. Then, uh, we have a few super chats. Uh, the Bears bastard nine ninety nine says, I feel like fans are taking what Monty said out of context. Context. He didn't say anything bad about the fans or the city. I think he simply meant not being retained, not being appreciated, nothing malicious. All right. Fair. I'm with you, D. That's what Cram's saying. Uh, When I I asked, anybody's got any questions in the chat, Matt Nagy in our our chat said, here's a question. Who does Eberflus think he is? The so, flus. He thinks he's the and, flus, uh, baby. Michael Hollenbach said, what will you do if the Bears sweep the division, Carm? What will the Bears you sweep do? the division this year? I will I'll I'll do a jump into Lake Michigan after the last one. So, if the Bears sweep the division, Michael, I will get you a CHGO Bears shirt of any choice in our library. If they sweep the division, you come back. We got this clipped right here. Clip it, and I will get you a CHGO Bears shirt. That's how I'll much ju- I believe. I'll jump into the lake with the CHGO Bears shirt on to celebrate it and scream, yes, let's freaking go. Uh, $9.99 from Raw Dog. Rudog. That's Rudog, not Raw Dog. Rudog. Whoops. Rudog. 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 Boiler up. Officially become after dark. Uh, uh, yeah. Boiler <laughs> up. Hammer down. Awaiting the word on Whoops. if Zach Eady will return. Uh, uh, Rudog. Uh, Mark saw Zach Eady at uh, what, what's that place you go to all the I, time? Uh, yes, I saw him at the health club. I saw him at East Bank. Zach East Eady Bank. was working out. East Bank. That's Sounds right, like- buddy. Sounds like like somewhere Zach Morris would go. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it just sounds. I want to go. It sounds amazing. Uh, vibing with the dogs, aka my girl Elise. Four ninety nine super chat. It was Robert Quinn and Roquan Greg after they got traded. It went to Bojacks and Jones for captains. And I know it was all voted by the players. I don't know if it was ever specified. Like after the players that were captains were traded. Were the it was just the next ones in line, or did they just give them to people? Whatever. All I know we is got- Montgomery was not a captain, so that only maybe speaks to the underappreciated narrative he's pushing here now. All right, Cubs beat the Mets four two. There's a post game show coming on up here, so we got to get going. Thank you so much for watching, Gregory. Outstanding to be with you, Stephen. Thank you, everybody in the chat. You're amazing. We love all of you. Uh, you know this, and. Um, yeah, thanks to Mark Potash for being on the show today. Great, great job getting him on here. That was awesome. We're back tomorrow at noon. And uh, please give a review to the first ever Brags After Eight or Brags After Dark, B-A-D. Bay. Bay. I'm your Bay. 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 Have a great night, y'all. We'll see you Bear next down. time.